the seven areas of your life. So your social life, your personal, your health, your education or how you're evolving, your relationships, your employment or earnings, and your spiritual development. So at any time, our scale goes up or down in terms of how we're feeling. And they all affect each other. When our health is off, it affects our social life. When our spiritual development's off, that affects, you know, how we're evolving. I think it's important that we always are simply looking at what's working for us and what can we lean into even more and what can we improve? And the great thing is with a lot of things, they're not overhauls. Come on this journey with me. Each week when you join me, we are going to chase down our goals, overcome adversity and set you up for a better tomorrow. I'm ready for my close-up. Hi, and welcome back. I'm so excited for you to meet Mike Bear. He is a two-time New York Times bestselling author. And you know I'm so jealous about that. He's a TV personality and personal development coach whose mission is to help people achieve sound mental health in order to become their best selves. Mike spent the earlier years of his career as a drug and alcohol counselor and board-registered interventionist. In 2005, Mike founded Cast Centers, a leading dual diagnosis treatment center in LA. He has a highly reputable track record helping A-list, and I mean A-list celebrities heal and recover. Mike has worked in the field in a variety of capacities, including team building with corporations, keynote speaking for numerous events, Fortune 100 companies, as well as providing creative workshops. He also has his own podcast, Always Evolving, and... He is Dr. Phil's right hand. He's on Dr. Phil's advisory board and makes regular appearances on programs such as Dr. Phil, The Doctors, and Dr. Oz. Coach Mike, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Heather. I can't even believe I did any of that stuff, but it's it's kind of amazing. Wait, people need to know, though, because I was just dying over the massive success that you have had. I mean, you are everywhere, and I love that you just shared with me that it didn't just happen overnight. Especially in the coaching space, I found I, I'm a bit newer to the public life coaching, although I've been doing it for almost two decades. But no, I mean, I started off working with clients for $90 an hour and sleeping in, you know, $30 a night motel rooms and trying to, you know, getting scholarships and, you know, and I had to really work my way through the ability to figure out what was I good at. What was I not good at? Which you start to learn when you help other people because sometimes in the social media world, you know, there's this uh, quick fix or quick pill where suddenly you're going to get the results overnight and it just doesn't work that way. Oh, it's so, so true. All right. So you're bringing up an interesting point that I know you cover in your new book, One Decision, that I've been asked a lot about lately and I'd love to hear your take on it. How do listeners, how do people find their purpose? You so obviously found yours. What are those strategies that you recommend for people who haven't discovered it yet? Well, you know, I think I'm one of those that I'm constantly redefining my purpose. I know everyone's different. I do know that I have a better life when I feel that I'm adding value to other people's lives and I'm getting to be creative. But I would say every three or four years, I go through kind of I think I've had a midlife crisis like 20 times in my life because (laughs) it always seems to change. You know, I I went through a period of time where 
I didn't want to work with celebrities anymore. And so I started going to Iraq to work with Yazidi women and open mental health clinics alone. And I thought that was my purpose. But then when I did that, I realized I couldn't raise all the capital I needed to help these families. So then I thought, well, what if I became the brand? And then somehow I met Dr. Phil a month later and that became a rocket ship. So I think like, I love being in the trenches, helping people. I've realized that I I don't like to play life coach or play helper. I love the adventure of helping people feel better about themselves that don't have a big opportunity. And the whole thing with purpose is we have to be connected with other people. So it's, it's extremely hard to, in my opinion, live in purpose, but not be out there in the real world. I think that's where the isolation makes it highly confusing because we do this together and the adventures together and purpose can be together. We're kind of always redefining what our purpose is. You know, I I spent so many years working and make money and travel and I was on tours and it looks incredibly sexy But now recently this year, my purpose is more in alignment with settling down and having more love in my life. And it's about giving yourself permission to at different times, embrace a different purpose. Yeah. And being easy on ourselves and not comparing because we all, our purpose is for, I assume is to live a life that we're really proud of and happy and have peace with. So much easier said than done, though, as you know, this is what you're dealing with every day. Yeah. Yeah, it's really difficult and it's confusing. Something that I, I talk about in one decision is, you know, you ever go to a party, I'm sure you have, Heather, where you are like, why am I here? Maybe you got so dressed up, so excited. You thought it was going to be something. You had expectations and you're finding yourself in a conversation, talking to a guy that literally is going to talk news, weather, sports with you. And you enter into another conversation and somehow it's a conversation about cars and you can care, give two shits about cars. So what happens is when we're confused, like, why am I here? We have to reestablish our purpose all the time. So if we're at the party, was our purpose to show up for a friend? We'll show up harder. Was our purpose to network and market? Then make that purpose harder. Because as soon as we get confused about our our purpose with wherever we are in life, that's when things start to create those stories. That's when we get self-centered and selfish and we lose opportunities because purpose is throughout the day. Purpose is, well, why am I going to go do that? Well, you don't, if your purpose is what's in it for me, okay, then maybe you can live that way. But I find that people are having much more joy in life when they can think about what what is my purpose for being here and how can I add value? Oh, that's such, such good advice. And that's how I try to lead every exchange is how can you add value? How can you support and help? And when you lead that way in business and in life, the payoffs always end up being so much greater than you expected. Don't you agree? Oh yeah, for sure. I've been interested in you talking kind of about like advertising and marketing. And do you think that that was something that was inherent in you? Or do you think that's something that you learned growing up? 
I'll tell you what was inherent in me was sales. I, I just was good at it right, right away because I listened to people. I was curious. You know, I wanted to really understand whatever their goals were. I like problem solving. I like helping people. So sales was definitely pretty easy for me. Advertising and marketing, I had no idea about. But once you immerse yourself in anything, if you're open to failing trial and error, you can learn anything. And so being there for over 20 years, I was able you know, to become an expert in that field, read all the research, read all the, the white papers and whatnot, and then apply what I was good to, which was sales and leading teams, you know, into creating a business. So yeah, I mean, I never had some big ambition as a kid to be a C-suite executive and advert. Like that's not the things people yeah. dream of. But I'll tell you, when I think of purpose and I look back, you know, to when I was a child, I remember I loved being on stage as a, as a kid. And I remember one day when I was 10, someone said to me, you know, you can't do this for a job, right? Nobody makes it in acting. Mm. And when that conversation hit me, whoever it was, you know, a teacher or the principal, I remember thinking, okay, all right, Heather, get your head straight. What can you do? You know, okay, maybe you could, you know, sell this or you could, and I just Mm. left that and then cut to whatever it was 40 years later. I'll never forget. I got off of really one of the largest stages I had taken at the time. And I remember feeling like magic. And when I went backstage and I was like, thank you, God, I'm this moment is everything. I just feel so joyful. I wish I could feel like this all the time. And it hit me. Oh my gosh. That was how I used to feel when I was a little kid, when I still believed Mm. that anything was possible. Let me ask you, because your background was in selling products and then transitioning into selling your, your, yourself in a way, right? What was the biggest difference for you or in doing that. I love how this has become your show, by the way. And, and I'm happy. I don't to know. I was just curious. <laughs> and, I, and I'm happy to give you the show. But so what's interesting is number one, I had been fired, right? And I was a type A overachiever, still am my whole life. Right. right? Like I want, I want to check the box. I want the star. I want to be told what a great job I'm doing because I'm trying so hard. So getting fired for me, and I know you can relate to this at first was like this moment of total shame total failure. Like I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is my life and stepping into unknown because I hadn't predicted this. I didn't forecast this. This wasn't my plan. Right. So Mm -hmm. it was that, that moment of I've been white knuckling everything my whole life and strong arming that I'm going to outwork everybody. I'm going to make this work. I can see what it looks like in corporate America. I can climb the ladder. I can outdo the next guy to get where I want to go. And when I made it to the top and then was kicked out, you know, unexpectedly, that was the single hardest thing for me to overcome the shame mm-hmm. and the unknown. Number one, that that was really that really was the hardest. But then two was after you develop a network and an expertise over a couple of decades, you kind of get used to, oh, yeah, don't worry, I got the solution here. Let me make a call or I can call in a favor mm-hmm. on this one. Now I started at ground zero. I had never written a book. I had never, you know, dove into this whole new world. And I didn't know who you went to. I didn't know what the steps were and no one was handing me a magic roadmap. So that kind of unknowing and being willing to start trusting myself in the dark when I didn't know what that next step was, those were the really, the hardest things for me. Yeah. I think any um, big change in life, whether it's a breakup or a loss, or it's just the cycle we go through trying to make sense of it all. And trying to see where the light is and and believe in ourselves because it's it's really easy to believe in ourselves when we're at the when we're riding some wave that's incredible 
it's really hard to believe in ourselves when we're feeling really low, you know? And it sounds like you used it as an opportunity to believe in yourself and pivot and reinvent instead of maybe staying in the same industry. It kind of propelled you into doing what you do now. Oh no, you're making me sound way better than I I have credit for. So this is something important for everybody to know if they don't know this. When I took the C-suite position, I signed an 18-month non-compete, non-solicit. I could not Uh go back to the industry that I had found success and had expertise in for 18 months. So for 18 months, in order to gain a paycheck and make income, and I'm a single mother and I built quite a, a luxurious lifestyle with lots of bills... I had to leave and start over somewhere else as a beginner. Got it. So it had an 18 month. And during that period of time, that's when you were like, let me reinvent. First of all, back then, I didn't even know what coaching was. No one was doing coaching in the media industry. You just did your job and maybe someone would mentor you along the way. But I didn't know about coaching. So I, I didn't know to hire someone who had been where I was. I didn't know to hire a coach, Mike, and say, okay, I need help building this roadmap. Anyone who's listening right now, If you are reinventing, if you are starting over, hire a coach, ask someone for the roadmap who has been where you are. It it will help you accelerate so much faster. But I didn't know that. So for me, I was kind of just bumbling around saying, okay, I'm going to try something different. I'm not publicly going to say I work for myself for fear of embarrassment. What if ultimately I couldn't make it work and I had to go to the aviation industry and work for Delta? You know, like I didn't know if I'd find success, even though so many people who were on my old team always say, Heather, please, of course you were going to find success. We knew Mm. you would, but I didn't feel that way until once my first book came out, once I started landing big stages, and that was a year into it. I kind of said, I woke up one day and I said, I'm going to start telling people that this is what I do. And that was a scary jump. And that's the thing. It's never ending kind of the evolution of growing. And there is a, there's risk when you do it for yourself because there's infinite roadmaps and there's not already a roadmap that's kind of built, but there's also a lot of joy in that because you can be as creative as you want and, and push yourself and learn more about yourself and, I now enjoy speaking, but for the first few years, I didn't enjoy it. It's very confusing, I believe, when we help people and we go, okay, just because it feels good doesn't mean it's right in life. You know, just just because we we did something when we feel amazing, sometimes we can make immense impacts when we are really emotional and other people can connect to those emotions. And as you know, it's just kind of this exciting journey of figuring out your art and and how do you be of service to other people and help people change their lives. And there's so many different ways to do it. Oh my gosh. When you say that, it reminds me of a shrink that I had a few years ago. I was in a relationship and I was, I definitely wasn't being treated the way that I should be. And I would complain to her about it, complain to her. And she said to me one day, something to the effect of, you need to be willing to give up the short-term gain that you're getting, happiness, comfort, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you're getting out of it that you think feels good or positive or safety or whatever, not being alone. Give up that short-term gain for the true long-term gain that you're looking for in life. And that's how you make things better. I have so many projects going on right now. And I help people with that. Literally, you're... 
it's almost like creating. Sometimes it's really important to set a goal, get to it. Here's what I want to achieve. But also it's where's the fun? Where's the creative? You know, I'm writing my third book now. And as you know, writing a book is a lot of work, especially in self-help. It's almost, not to say it's easier in fiction, but at least you can just make things up. In self-help, you kind of can't if you want it to resonate with people. And so I I bet you 90% of what I write doesn't make the book, but I'm writing a lot of fun stuff, you know, and it's enjoyable. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have, the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. I want you to know that finding ways to be more efficient, cut costs, and get rid of errors and mistakes can completely transform your business, boost your performance at the same time. This is why you need NetSuite now. Now, through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash Monahan. netsuite.com slash Monahan. NetSuite.com slash Monahan. When I started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from my mind. Now I'm selling my group coaching on the regular, and it is just so easy, all because I use Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soaps or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got fired. Launching my own business seemed so intimidating. I didn't know how to set up a website and I really didn't need to. Shopify does it all for you and they make it so easy. It was that breakthrough moment for me that I realized I can do this. I can go to work for myself. Thanks to Shopify. What I love about Shopify is you don't need to have all this technology information ready to, you don't need to know how to plan and run things. You just need to go to the platform, turn it on and know what you're selling. And Shopify is going to help you figure out 
the rest. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries, including your girl right here. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash monahan all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Monahan now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Monahan. No matter what stage you're at, they're going to make it easy. When starting out a new business, it's a complete pain to get through the LLC part. Taylor Brands makes it 90% easier. It's easy and affordable to get your LLC with Taylor Brands. Taylor Brands offers all the legal requirements for LLCs, such as registered agent, annual compliance, EIN, operating agreement, business license and permits, and much more. Taylor Brands walks you through each step of building a successful business and has everything you need all in one place. Bookkeeping, invoicing, business licenses and permits, business documents, bank accounts, and so much more. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using this link, taylorbrands.com slash confidence. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash confidence. So get started today with Taylor Brands. What's the new book about? Where I'm at right now is I'm really... (laughs) I'm really excited to help free people with resentments and disappointment and past pain. But what I've done is I'm writing kind of through metaphors right now, like metaphors and that people see in their childhood. Cause I think that's when we start to view life a certain type of way. And as adults, we never want to go back to that pain, you know, and, and because this is a heavy topic, I have to figure out how to get the read or not to check out. You know, I'm always thinking, okay, because as soon as we start to feel too emotional by ourselves or it's too painful, we don't want to do it. So there's an art that I'm trying to create with getting people to continue because a lot of my style is exercises and the writing in the book. And I'm very much into people having tangible takeaways. So this topic, I'm trying to create a lot of hope and inspiration and fun with topics that suck. (laughs) You know, it sucks. But that's also what I really love helping people with. You know, I love helping people who are really depressed. I mean, I don't want anyone to be really depressed, but I usually can get them to crack a smile or loosen up and lighten up and like get into a flow with them. And I think mental health is one of those exciting spaces where you can see such quick change in a human. You know, um, you where it's, it's like almost like mental physical therapy works a lot better than the physical physical therapy. I'm excited by this. Once you put your creativity into it, I'm sure it's going to be offering people massive solution and that payoff will be there. Yeah. And it's good for anyone to be, you know, we always talk about journaling and everyone's like, oh, the journal. It's almost like there's a saying in recovery, keep it simple, stupid. And the simple things work so well. The really basic things, putting thoughts on a piece of paper when you're struggling. If you're really angry at someone, write on the paper a letter 
to them that you're not going to send, but let those out and see it back and write the next day. And there's something really powerful when we can get out of this, our heads, our brains, and somehow translate it all the way down the arm. By the time it hits the fingers, the fingers hit the pen or the computer. Then we lift it up and put it down and it starts to help us. And it's so basic. I mean, I journal every day now, but like sometimes I look at my life and I'm like, oh my God, I'm still journaling. I'm 42. You know, I'm, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Pull it together, Mike, you know, but it's a way to be more at peace. And I want to do anything it takes to have more peace in my life. Oh, I love that. It's I'm 47 and I'm just figuring this stuff out. And of course I still journal too. So do not feel that you are alone, my friend. All right. <laughs> I want to talk about some of your exercises because I agree with you so often, you know, in self-help or personal development, there's conversation and whatnot, but to really do the work. And I feel like, I know I read somewhere that your goal is that you write these books so that ultimately people can be their own coach at the end, that they don't need to be finding a coach. Correct. Correct. Yeah. What are your favorite exercises or give us one example of an exercise you shared in one decision that you really let get some good feedback on? Well, best self was all about creating your kind of alter ego. You know, everyone thinks about devil and angels. So I like to create who truly is your best version of self, who is your anti-self and what are all those characteristics? Because when you can add a little bit of humor to the stuff we don't like about ourselves, it helps us navigate because if we just say I'm depressed and when I get depressed, I get angry and lonely and I push people away. Okay. That's one thing. But if we give her a name and draw her out or him out and let's say, I don't know, we call him, you know, Diana Downer and she's wearing like a horrible wig and she draws it. It's a little more light and she can go, I'm just being this. And it's also figuring out her best self. What are all those characteristics? So A lot of the stuff I do, you can do with like kids as a family. It's really helpful to see how they perceive themselves in a creative way. And then with one decision, I really love, and I wrote the book because we're always one decision away from changing our life. And I love assessments because they're very telling. How would we look at one area of our life versus another? And I find that we often find one area of our life to be that thing we need to work on, but it's not it. It's usually not it. We convince ourselves that it's it. And so I developed a bunch of exercises to help people find their blind spots and to figure out what's really driving that thing that is keeping them from being more at peace or happier or whatever they want. And then what's one decision we could make right now? Like right now, what is one decision we could make that would help in this area? And again, keeping it simple works, you know, it's, and it's what I've done with clients for years. You know, I can in 30 minutes help people make one decision to get their income up 20% by next year. Like I know how to do this. I'm confident in it now. You know, when you make one decision, it's almost like you're going in a whole new lane. And if it's significant, like you made the decision to pursue what you do now, right? It's it's a chain reaction. There's a lot of other decisions, but some people will make a decision to sue or get upset or they'll go through whatever process they need to go through. And 
that probably isn't going to bring them more peace. Do you see one thing being the most common holdback for people, or do you see any theme that that really comes first to mind to you? I think insecurity is the most prevalent. Needing other people's opinions to validate self, criticism from people that don't even matter to people. It's like, that's the irony. And just overall lack of awareness and interest. You know, some people really... I've worked with plenty of people. They're they're really they they'll say they want help, but they're not really interested in getting the help that maybe I think would be most beneficial. But also, I mean, I'm always shocked by people who can transform their lives and change for the better that don't have resources, that don't have money, that don't have the hottest body. And I've worked with plenty of people who are rich beautiful, but that doesn't really build any sense of self-esteem or self-worth. It's like a drug. You know, attention is like a drug. That's why people will do whatever they can to get attention. But for themselves, I've found, unless they're total narcissists, like to the extreme, at the end of the day, they're not really happy. Like they really, people want to be loved, like truly loved. We all really want to be loved by others. We want to be loved by our friends. We want to be loved by our family. We want to be loved by our kids. We want to give love. And that's what people really crave, I think. Oh, for sure. And what are the things that you ask these people to do when you're working with them and they are so focused or obsessed or addicted to, you know, these outside opinions or, or this attention from other people? And how do you get them to get beyond that? Well, I create a lot of exercises or ask questions. So it depends on who it is. But normally I'll say, well, when was... You know, the last, give me the last time you had a moment where you felt completely at peace. That wasn't contingent on other people's opinion. And usually everyone can tap into, oh, I was eating oatmeal in my backyard, or I was talking to my friend Susie, or it's nothing to do with these huge achievements, or even the people I've worked with who've had that no one I've worked with has said, uh, oh, they got to perform at the biggest show in town and uh, got so much recognition. And that was the moment they had the most peace. No one has ever said that. So I like to help people figure out how life has had these moments for them where they weren't doing much, but they felt a presence inside themselves. Like, I'm digging this life. This is cool. This is magical. Wow. Wow. You know, and and helping people continually tap into that part of themselves because it can really start to get rusty. And it's how do you bring light? How do you bring more of that in? What do we need to do? Is it a priority? Why is that going to priority number 50 and priority number one is blank? Do you want it to be a priority? Do you want to really do what's going to bring you peace? And it's hard. You know, it's extremely hard when life starts to get good. It's hard. When we think, oh, that didn't work, but we have to continually work that muscle. We're not taught any of this stuff in school. Sadly. And, <laughs> yeah, sadly. Like, there's none of this is taught in school. We had no choice what families we were born into. And we end up later in life at different moments going, how the hell did I end up here? And I'm more, I'm always focused on the people who 
don't really love themselves or like themselves. Because if someone's really happy in their life, typically, I mean, I've worked with a lot of people and help them make more money who are pretty happy in their lives. You know, I've done a lot of work with executives and stuff, but usually people are coming to me because they're suffering and they've tried many things and they just are like, I don't, I'm so frustrated. I don't know how to change this part of me. What do you see as the common or biggest issue with people who can't make more money and seem happy in their life? What is their challenge? I think there's a few. So I think there's a category of people that are delusional. And what I mean by that is they didn't learn from their mistakes and get humility and they don't ask for help. This category that's, I'm going to go make this, you'll see it. They're, they're all over the crypto world and, you know, they're always in these new scenes and this new pill or this new, you know, they were probably into the goji berry 10 years ago or whatever, right? Like <laughs> whatever these trends are. But um, I think asking for help is something most people don't want to do, even though we all know it is a joy to help other people when we're not put out. You know, it's a joy to mentor other people. So if you ask other people, hey, how'd you do this? Like if someone reached out to me and said, Mike, how did you get to where you got to? And like, I'd love to pick your brain. That's very different than saying, Mike, um, can you get me an introduction to Dr. Phil? And can you read my book? And can you write the forward? By the way, that's the majority of what I'm hit up. I'm talking about people who like want help growing their business. It's almost like it can't happen organically that way. And asking for help is always one issue I find that gets in the way. The other is uh, not researching what they're getting into. Partnerships. Partnerships can be deadly. And detrimental and stressful. And there, of course, there's a lot of momentum when things are going well. I've seen more partnerships work with husbands and wives than I've seen with friends. And I'm talking childhood friends because everyone gets really excited. There's entrepreneurship, but then you're in this marriage of sorts and it affects your livelihood. I think also starting small. And then when people are trying to make millions, like, you know, I've had people where they're, you know, wanting to go from seven figures to eight figures, right? Like that's a different set of issues. You know, usually that's more about what can they leverage? What is their skill set? How can they get partnerships? And that's just like a different, those are luxury problems, right? When someone wants to make $10 million. First world problems. Yeah, a year for those first world problems. (laughs) And giving up, people don't prioritize. You know, there's, there's no, unfortunately... You're competing. And when I say competing, sure, we're com- we are competing with ourselves and being better. And we don't want to become workaholics. But at the same time, on that Saturday night, when the weekend comes up this weekend, I don't want to have to sit and write. I want to go wherever. I want to go on a vacation. I could afford. I have Amex points. I could go, I could go off somewhere. But I, if I want to deliver something great and get paid and help people... I need to dedicate the time to write a book on a weekend, even though that's not what I want to do. And so I think the other part is real for people to realize just they think I worked for another company. I had to do a lot of things I didn't want to do, but they may not have the discipline to realize you're going to have to do it times five now. You know, it's much more difficult because 
you're now having to deal with all the problems. And so having that commitment, I think, is a challenge for a lot of people. CBDistillery.com is giving you an exclusive offer, and it's huge right now. You can get up to 30% off everything. If you've struggled with sleep, stress, or pain after physical activity, CBDistillery.com has a targeted plant-powered solution just for you. I love hearing how many of you have seen improvement in your daily life, thanks to CBD. So if better sleep, more calm, and relief from discomfort after physical activity sounds good to you, you should explore CBD. Don't miss this massive sale and get up to 30% off your order. Visit CBDistillery.com and enter VIP. That's cbdistillery.com and enter VIP at cbdistillery.com. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You touched on so many amazing things. I want to bring up again and just highlight the partnership issue that you brought up. It's interesting. Twice in the past couple of months, I've had two very dear friends of mine, both in very successful companies, come to me and disclose they're in a legal battle with partners. And to your point, each one of them are childhood friends. And it's Mm. ugly, really ugly. And they're both on the end side of it, back side of it. They don't want to talk about it publicly. They're really disappointed embarrassed Mm. that they look beyond what the problem was because they feel like had they really stopped and looked at it from a business standpoint, they would have never entered into it to begin with. Yeah. I mean, it's so tricky, isn't it? Because we feel like we need someone else that we don't have that ability, but that's what friends are for with advice. That's what mentoring's for. That's what calling the friend who's an attorney to do a look over you know, calling the friend who has had successful businesses, giving you that HR packet. You know, you don't, I find that a lot of people get into partnerships. I, I, the divorce rate's about 50% in the US. I have to imagine the partnership dissolve rate is higher than that because um, it is just really difficult to, uh, unless they're silent partners or there's an amazing dynamic, I, I, I see a lot of challenges there. Okay, you brought up another point that I just had an epiphany on for myself, and you were talking about self-awareness. I believe, this is so funny and humbling, but I believe I'm incredibly self-aware because I've done so much work the last decade on making this, you know, an issue. I remember when I got divorced, I was 33, and I said, how did I get here? I am deconstructing myself. Like, I'm going to go all in and figure out what did I do to, you know, own this. Anyhow, fast forward to, I'm on a board of directors of a company my CFO called me and said, I need you to jump on a call with the CEO and walk through the situation that's going on. And I said, okay, yeah, I got it. I get on the call. I think I'm being, I have a tendency to be aggressive and very direct. I know that. So I was trying to be very even keeled and calm because I don't have a strong personal relationship with the CEO. We've only worked together for a year and a half. And so in my self-awareness, I believed I was very even keeled and calm yet made my point. Cut to a day later, I'm back on the phone with the CFO, who I'm a lot closer to, I've known longer and whatnot. 
And I said, listen, I just want to let you know, I was very even keeled. I, you know, I was not abrasive. I know I have a tendency to be that way was, you know, and he starts laughing. And I said, what's funny? And he said, you are so incredibly not self-aware. And it was so interesting, Mike, because I haven't had anyone say this to me in years, right? And I said, what do you mean? He said, I knew how you'd handle it. That's why I called you because I wanted that outcome. I knew you'd go in there and it worked. You went in there, you were incredibly direct. You were a bit aggressive. Uh You made your point immediately. And we laughed and whatnot. And I hung up and I did have to reflect and say, I still thought that I was being self-aware. However, to your point, we're always evolving, changing. You know, maybe this is that next layer that I need to dig into that when I am triggered by something or, you know, passionate about something, I forget how I'm handling myself. I think we always are learning more and more. You know, I have a bunch of, I think, seven therapists working for me at the center that I'm the CEO of. And, you know, it is it is similar. I find, so my challenge today is I end up beating myself up with managing employees, not necessarily because I want them to like me, but because I want to have a positive impact and I want to show up as my best self leading them. And again, if we get really comfortable, like you're saying, and not look at how we can improve, we kind of become those people that then it starts affecting our personal lives. We may start to have inauthentic through lines throughout our life because of work with this person and over here with that person. And I think it's allowing yourself the room to realize, yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to get better at what I can do. How fun. What if, Instead of it being, oh, man, I didn't do this right. It can be, oh, wow, I get to do this right. I get to learn more. I get to change. I get to question myself if I'm being too bossy or maybe that guy's too passive, whatever, you know? That reminds me of your exercise that I did, the Spears exercise. And one of the elements in there was around education. And that really made me think when I was reading and, you know, assessing my situation for a long time, I was not, you know, really tasking myself to learn or read certain books or what I I am now, ever since I got fired, it's a part of what I do every day, which is so exciting because I never thought that way, you know, back when I was in corporate America, but I found that exercise to be really impactful. Yeah. So that's an exercise looking at the seven areas of your life. So your social life, your personal, your health, your education, or how you're evolving, your relationships, your employment or earnings, and your spiritual development. So at any time, our scale goes up or down in terms of how we're feeling. And they all affect each other. When our health is off, it affects our social life. When our spiritual development's off, that affects you know how we're evolving. I think it's important that we always are simply looking at what's working for us and what can we lean into even more and what's what can we improve? And the great thing is with a lot of things, they're not overhauls. You know, they're not. They're, for example, if we're, let's say we're not evolving that much in our life, it's easy to pick up a book. You're now at a good score. It's not that hard. It's, I have the, but next to my bed, I have the four agreements, right? Which in my head, I'm thinking, Mike, shouldn't you by now be reading the most sophisticated, cutting edge, you know, new book no one's heard of that has this now? I'm trying to keep it really simple and go back to the basics. And there's a reason why things work in culture is because usually there's a lot of good messages. 
I love the work that you're doing. I love the joy that you bring to life. I mean, I can just feel it right now being here with you. I'm so appreciative for you making the time to be here. How can everybody get one decision? How can they connect with you? Sure. Yeah. And I appreciate, you know, Gina made the introduction to us and I'm going to have you out on my podcast when you're in LA and coach Mike Bayer, like the aspirin coach Mike B-A-Y-E-R on all social media. And the book is available at Amazon or wherever books are sold. So it's one decision and you got to check it out, Mike. Thank you to everybody listening. Go check out Mike's stuff. You will not regret it. Keep creating your confidence. We'll see you next week. journey with me. Hi, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast that I am so excited about, Negotiate Your Best Life, hosted by Rebecca Zung, a part of the Yap Media Network. As a globally renowned narcissist negotiation expert and an attorney recognized by U.S. News as a best lawyer in America, Rebecca shares her invaluable insights and strategies for navigating life's toughest negotiations. By drawing from her own experiences and the wisdom of her high-profile guests, such as Bob Proctor, Mark Victor Hansen, John Gordon, and Rebecca delivers empowering advice that will inspire you to reclaim control of your life. Negotiate Your Best Life is all about how to negotiate your way to greatness. She provides practical guidance on how to break free from toxic relationships, stand up against injustice, and transform chaos into freedom, possibility, and purpose. Many times, the first negotiation you do is with your own in the morning. In the morning is when you wake up, and that's when Negotiate Your Best Life is time for you. It's about to find your way to greatness, conquering obstacles, and creating the life you truly deserve. Get ready to slay thrive and unlock your full potential don't believe me i'm gonna go ahead and share some of the reviews that are out there so you can hear and you can believe too you have helped me so much these last few weeks i was with a narcissist for two years she drove me to the point i wanted to take my own life listening to you has made a massive difference and now i know what i'm with thank you rebecca now the recovery Thank you for gifting the knowledge to believe in myself again. You have unknowingly helped me legally represent myself through criminal, federal, and civil court proceedings with a narcissist. There would be so many people around the world that you're helping without even knowing like me. You saved my life. Emma, 35 years old, Australia. If you are ready to stand up against injustice and transform the chaos in your life into freedom, possibility, and purpose, then check out Negotiate Your Best Life now. Subscribe to Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.